The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you join me? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we will pick up. Where we left off last week, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Well, I had some difficulty um, this week with the text. Not understanding the, the text so much, but more in how to, to craft this sermon. You, you want to you do your best to put together a sermon that has a, a flow to it and a continuity and progression of thought, an outline that, that's, that's easy to, to follow, though that's not always the case. The difficulty is because there are some, some themes here in this collection of Old Testament figures um, that, that we could draw from. And pro- primarily, the, the common theme in, in this section is that of death. That of death. It's, it's Isaac being offered up as a as a sacrifice. It's Isaac at his death. It's Jacob at his death. It's Joseph at his death. And as we saw last week from our text, these all died in faith. They died in faith. That, that That was last week's text. And then here in these verses... That's, that's shown to us how they, they died. But, um, but I, I preached that last week. We preached last week that, that real faith perseveres to the end. You know, that, that, that real faith um, believes even through death. And so I didn't want to preach another sermon on death. Um, I didn't... I want to preach another sermon at, at, of their faith at, at their death. So that, that, was my, that was my difficulty. There's some difficulty. There's some, another theme here. It's the theme of, 
of fathers and, and children. Um, but that's, that's, I don't think, the point of the text. You, you know, you don't want a sermon. It's, it's not necessarily the point of the text. Um, so here's where I landed. How they died, which the writer of Hebrews tells us, is in faith. Exemplifies how they lived a life of faith. And the circumstances around each of these instances and their experiences before these moments at their, their death show us something about their faith that I think is important. What we see in these verses with Isaac, with Jacob, with Joseph, I mean, monumental Old Testament figures boil down to, to one sentence, really, of, of their death. That's what, that's what we have here. But what we have in them and what, what these hearers would have known as Jews, as Hebrews, is the story of their life and, and how they died in faith. Is, is representative of how they lived a life of faith. And each of the circumstances mentioned here point back to a part of their life of faith that teaches us something about faith. And so that, that's where we're, we'll, we'll be this morning. So here's what I want to see. Here's the, the common theme in each of these um, Old Testament figures. That faith follows even when God's plans don't match our plans. Real faith follows God in obedience. Even when the plans that He has for our lives don't match the plans that we have for our life. When, when the plans and the purposes of God come up and against our own plans and purposes. Faith follows God in obedience. Follow with me, and I think you'll see it in these men. We begin with the defining moment, really, of Abraham's life. God speaks to Abraham, and he does so as... A test as a test. I don't think Abraham knew in the moment that this was a test. Um, the record that we read this, this morning in Genesis doesn't mention it as a test, but the writer of Hebrews here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, identifies it as a test. And God speaks to Abraham and in testing him, instructs him to sacrifice his son of promise. This is a test, and it is a test of his faith. This is how the writer of Hebrews approaches it in verse 17. By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now, there are those who have a problem with this, a, a moral problem 
with this, and, and maybe you're, you're one of, of them, um, though I am not, they would ask the question of, of why in the world would God test Abraham like this? Why, why would God even ask this? This is immoral of God. You know, there's, there's a problem with, with, with us trying to define morality outside of, of, of God. God. God defines morality. We don't, we don't get the, the privilege of, the, of defining morality. Just, just general, you know, good operating um, processes here. The immoral don't get to define morality. The, the, the moral one does. But I don't know why it is that God tests Abraham this way. And the reason why I don't know is because I'm not God. That's why I don't know. Um, but the reality is true, whether we like it or, or not, and that is that God does test people of faith. He does. And He tests Abraham here, and He will test you, and He will test me. He has. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 tell us this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So why is it that these trials are grieving you? Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God tests our faith so that the genuineness of our faith will be made clear, not so that we would receive praise or honor or glory because of our faith, but because God desires to receive praise and honor and glory through our faith. And so God tested Abraham by asking of him something that went against everything Abraham thought. It went against everything that Abraham expected. It went counter to everything that Abraham had desired and wanted. This was a totally different plan that Abraham had for his life and for Isaac's life and a totally different plan that he thought that God would have for Isaac's life. After all, God had made great promises to, to Abraham that he would have a child, a promised child, and through that child, the nations would be blessed. And here is this promised child, Isaac. This is the plan. I have this son, and the son is blessed. And the son is a blessing. This is the plan. And then here... Out of nowhere, it seems, the plans change. But faith follows even when God's plans don't match our plans. Faith obeys. Faith obeys. Because the same faith that received the promises of God through His Word must obey God's Word in His commands. The same faith that happily receives the promises of God must 
obey God when His commands come, even when they're different than our plans. This is what Job said to his wife. She was joining in with the cacophony of of, um, negativity that was surrounding Job. And Job's response to her is, should we receive good from God and not evil? And it's strange to think of it that way, but isn't Job right? Should we, should we only receive good from God? Is it not right and just for, for, for God to exercise judgment upon us, difficulty upon us? Is it not right and just for the Creator God to require us uh, things that, that we maybe aren't willing to give? After all, isn't He the sovereign God? That means that we must have faith in both the comfort of His promises and the commands of His plans. We must have faith. Faith obeys God's commands no matter what. And faith trusts God with the consequences. Faith trusts God. God, knowing that He is a God that is faithful to His promises, even when the path doesn't match our plans. This is what Abraham knew. This is the kind of faith that Abraham had. This is what the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 19, that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. And then the writer says, figuratively speaking, that's exactly what God did. He spared him from death. We talked about this last year as we were working through these verses in Genesis. At this point in history, when Abraham was alive and when Abraham journeyed on top of that mountain with his son as Abraham raised the knife in the air in the act to take his son's life, there had never been a resurrection from the dead. Never. No one had ever been resurrected. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham had the kind of faith that said, I know that God is so faithful to His promises, that He will keep them even if the path is different than I think it is. And his faith in God's promises was so sure that he knew that even as he took his son's life, God was able to raise him from the dead. Now, here I am, and I'm thinking, how did he reason that? How did Abraham know that God was able to do that? I'll tell you how I think, and that is because the experiences in his life had shown him, had proven to him that God was sovereign over life. What what did he experience? He had experienced an aging wife who had passed 
childbearing age um, for, for nearly a hundred years barren against all natural odds, she conceives and life was given inside of her. And Abraham knew it clearly that it was the sovereign God who had opened her womb to life. And if God is sovereign and has power over life, which he had proven he did with Isaac, then it seems Abraham reasoned and considered that surely he has the power over death. And he does. And so you couple that with Abraham knowing the promises of God and knowing that God is faithful. Here is Abraham in this moment trusting these in faith. Now that didn't make it easier to raise the knife and kill his son. We read that and we think, well, Abraham knew he'd just be, you know, resurrected again. No, I'm, I'm a dad. I got a son. It doesn't make it any easier. Total departure from what Abraham thought, the plans that he has. But faith follows even when God's plans don't match our plans. Well, fast forward to, to Isaac's actual death. And what is it that we see? Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. What does that have to do with faith? Well, I think to understand this, you've got to know the backstory. Isaac had received the same promise from God that his father Abraham had received. Genesis chapter 26. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give you to your offspring all these lands... And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Same blessing. Same blessing given to Abraham, now given to Isaac. And much like his father before him, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, was barren. That was until God opened her womb. And to them were born two sons, twins, Esau the older and Jacob the younger. Esau the older was the favored son of Isaac. He was. Genesis chapter 25 tells us this, verses 27 and 28. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. And it seems because of this, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac has a favored son, and this favored son is Esau. And as the oldest... It was Esau who was the heir. He was the heir of possessions. And in Isaac's mind, 
the heir of the promise. But God had other plans. In Genesis chapter 25, the Lord's, uh, verse 23, the Lord says to Rebekah, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Isaac, though he had plans to pass his blessing on to his favored son Esau, God had other plans and that was for the blessing to go to the younger Jacob. In one of the more famous stories in the Bible, we learn that Jacob fools his dad. He tricks his dad into thinking that he is Esau. And in doing so, Isaac blesses Jacob. Isaac's old Sight is failing him near death. Evidently, Esau, being the, the outdoorsy, you know, hunter type, got some hairy arms, unlike Jacob. And so Jacob fools him by using the skin of an animal, making his dad believe that he's Esau, and in doing so, he receives the birthright blessing. Now we look at that and we say, I don't know about that. You know, deception, dishonesty, trickery. But isn't God sovereign? Doesn't He accomplish His purposes according to His means? And here is God doing exactly what He told Rebecca He would do. And that is establishing the younger over the older. And Isaac, in his dying, trusts in this sovereignty of God. Esau, learning of what happened, begs his dad to bless him. Genesis 27. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, It is not right. Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not received a blessing for me? Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered, and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him the Lord over you and all his brothers, and I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What can I do for you, my son? Listen, I'll, 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 I'll be honest with you, it is a strange story. But it shows the sovereignty of God. It shows the sovereignty of God. God had chosen Jacob. He did. Right, uh, Paul tells us why. Romans chapter 9. If you're interested, you can go read it. Read it so that the purpose of election might stand before they had committed right or wrong while they were still in their womb. As it was said, 
Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. God is sovereign. The story shows the sovereignty of God. He had chosen Jacob but not Esau. And Isaac's plans were thwarted. His plans didn't match God's plans. But in the end, he obeys and blesses Jacob first. And then Esau. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob first and then Esau. Then we come to the end of Jacob's life. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. You know, just as Isaac had blessed his sons, as the time came, so now the time has come for Jacob to pass on his blessing to the next generation. And just like his father before him, Jacob had a favored son, Joseph. Many of you know the story. Jacob's, um, or Joseph's, this is going to get difficult for me. Every time I ever preach this story, I, I interchange Jacob and Joseph. So just be patient with me when I do it. They're very close together, but I'm going to do my best. Jacob has a favored son, Joseph. Joseph's brothers grow increasingly jealous of him, eventually selling him into slavery and lying to their parents, claiming that he was dead. But again, God is sovereign. And he was with Joseph. And Joseph prospers. Even in these difficult circumstances, The hand of God is upon him. The blessings of God are upon him. The promises of God are upon him. And he prospers and he lands in Egypt where he rises in Pharaoh's court to basically serve as the prime minister of all of Egypt. Now, we know what God is doing here, and that is is that God is being faithful to his promises to preserve his people, and he's putting... Joseph in a place where he can do that because eventually God brings a famine that drives um, Jacob and his family to Egypt to survive. And they come there face to face with Joseph. Can you imagine the shock? Guilty siblings standing Mouths open, head hung in shame. A father reunited with a lost son. They come faith to faith with Joseph, whom God in his sovereignty has placed in a position to save them. And that's exactly what Joseph does. And so here at the end of Jacob's life, he gives the blessing to Joseph and Joseph's sons. 
The blessing of the firstborn of the promise is bestowed to his children. But it's not the way Joseph had planned it. Genesis chapter 48. When Israel, that's, that's Jacob's new name. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons. whom God has given me here. He said, bring them to me. Please that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. And so Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and he embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Now that's a lot of detail that's very important. Is which, which, which hand matters in the blessing? Right hand. So here's Joseph arranging his sons in such a way that he feels that this is the one that gets the right-handed blessing and this is the one that gets the left-handed blessing. Joseph's the one doing this. So, Ephraim, Israel's left hand, Manasseh, Israel's right hand. Verse 14, And Israel stretched out his hand and laid it on the hand of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. You see what's happening here? Here we go again. The expectation of Joseph is the older gets the blessing, the right-handed blessing of the promise, the younger gets the secondary blessing. But here's Israel who says, nope. And he crosses his hands and he puts his right on the younger and his left on the older. And he blessed Joseph and he said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on. In the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. But when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he, he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. 
And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father. Since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. He also shall become a people. And he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed him that day, saying, By you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to to die, but God will be with you. He will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than your brother rather than your brothers on the mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. What do we see? What do we see in verse 21? By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. What, 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 do, what is bound up in that? What is bound up in that is that Joseph had his plans. But God had his plans. Joseph had the way he thought things would be. But God had the way that things are. And faith follows even when God's plans and our plans don't match. And isn't that a picture of, of, of here, at, at, of Israel at the end of his, his life? I, I want to die this way. Leaning over his cane. Weakened by age. Worshiping the Lord. Blessing his grandchildren. Fast forward to the end of the life of Joseph. And we find Joseph in weakened old age. Still believing. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. You know, Joseph had lived a crazy life. One of heartache and one of blessing. One of unbelievable lows. Seemed to just keep finding himself in a pit. And one of incredible highs. He had palaces. He'd been blessed with great riches in Egypt. And yet in his death, he trusts the promises of God. You see, God had shown Abraham that his people would be strangers and sojourners in a foreign land and that they would be slaves there. God had told Abraham this in Genesis 15, verse 12 and 13. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. This, and here, here we are. Here we are. People of Abraham are in Egypt. They are going to be slaves there. For 400 years, but God, being faithful to His promises, 
will free them. Verses 14, 15, and 16. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possession. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And here is Joseph at the end of his life with all of its twists and with all of its turns, with all of its ups and with all of its downs. Here is Joseph at the end of his life trusting in that promises, in those promises. He knew that his future lay with the promises of God. And to show this, he directed that his bones be taken to the burial tomb of, Isaac, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the promised land. You, you understand, Joseph, he, he could have had a great tomb in Egypt. He could have been buried among the Pharaohs. But he trusts in the promises of God even in death. So what do we learn from this collection of, of lives? Well, first, I think we learn that God's plans cannot be manipulated. We can try to manipulate them. We can try to get our ways. We can try to order things in certain directions. We can attempt to exercise our will over the situation. But God's plans, they cannot be manipulated he will see to it in his sovereignty. He will. The second thing we learn is that God's plans will be surprising. I mean, what a, a surprising, twisting, turning history of events. It, this, this could be a, an in, incredibly entertaining uh, soap opera, sitcom, television show. You never know what's going to happen next and with who. But all along the way, the sovereign God is in control doing exactly what He planned and purposed to do. We can't manipulate His plans. And we will be surprised by His plans. But we can be sure, thirdly, that God's plans will not fail. And so how does faith respond? Faith follows even when God's plans don't match our plans. Faith follows even when His plans go in the exact opposite direction of our plans. Faith follows when His plans make no sense to us. Faith follows. Faith obeys. Thus says the Lord, so I do. Father, would you help us live this kind of life, a life of faith that follows your leading, your direction, no matter what. Would we, with the same faith that we have in the moment of our justification, in the moment that we're born again, would we, with the same faith, that with open arms receives your promised blessings in Jesus Christ, would we, with the same faith, 
obey your commands. Even when they seem contradictory to our plans, even when they are confusing, even when they find us in the dark, would we by faith obey you? Would we follow you? No matter what, all the way to the end of our life. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.